Hey, Capo. Hey, Pamela. What's going on? Not much. I was was just looking at the picture behind your head. My dad is, and I can see a dollar sign, and that's it. Glorious. Aw, that's cool. And then I have a a never give up uh, drawing from, I think it, it has Fruity Pebbles on it. I think it was from like Money in the Bank in Boston. 2014. Oh, eh. Yeah, a little different camera uh, angle. Um, cute, cute. Yeah, we're looking on the side now instead of um, like right at that door, at that closet or basement door, whatever door that is. I can't get the camera up facing my face <laughs> in proper uh, because I got to lay back and keep the, the knee elevated. Ah, uh, yes. Hopefully next week I'll be uh, a little bit more mobile once they drain this thing. But, uh, yeah, where the hell is everybody at? Um, I don't know. You know what? Us is that is that Mayor? I think it is. Hi, Mayor Matt. Hello, so delighted to be with y'all. And I can't believe, Pam, that you turned to Capo. You're talking about the the sign that's behind him, and it's not the autographed picture of Rowdy Roddy Piper. <laughs> <laughs> we get to see that every week. That's normally that's, the that's normally all you can see when Capo's on. That's new to me. So uh, well done. Love, love, love the hot rod. He, uh, I had to put that up because Flem kept making fun of me that it looked like a uh, like I was in an interrogation room. So I was like, oh, let me put Roddy on the back of here, make it look uh, proper. Now, is that a general autograph or is that Oh, no, that's personalized? just, um, yeah, that's one of those, uh, just one of those, uh, he maybe signed it and they just copied it a thousand times. Okay. Um, I, my, not me, my brother-in-law does, I believe he has one of, if not the last signature Roddy Piper ever signed. Um, you guys are going to see a little bit of a mess. You see that over there, the rally in the alley, appreciation, fan appreciation. Okay, so that's that's actually signed by uh, Too Cool. Oh, wow. Um, We used to go to Maryland Championship Wrestling events and, like, the meet and greets. And, um, yeah, that was great for the audio members, um, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) They're really enjoying not seeing. A little little reference. Um, And uh, so we would... After the end of the shows, the promoter would have all these posters signed, and we were like a regular in getting the posters. You know, they were like, I don't know, 60, 70 bucks, something like that. And we would, you know, get ask them for the ones off the wall and everything. And we had like a pretty good collection of them. And I didn't get to go to the show, but my brother in law and father in law went to Roddy's meet and greet, um, got his autograph, got the poster, which was probably signed at the last event. And then Roddy died a few days later. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it took a dark turn, but that possibly, unless he, you know, signed some in, you know, hotel, airport, wherever he goes, because, you know, he's Roddy Piper. So you can't walk around without people saying, hey, let me get an autograph. So, but. Um, yeah. Wait, he's dead? Yeah. Oh. Oh. That was that was kind of at the beginning of the story, too. So. Oh, it, started, I, it started with 
it's one of the last signatures he ever had. I definitely I not unless he took a vow of <laughs> you know, no, no. Pen, penmanship celibacy and he just decided he was never going to touch a pen the rest of his life. But, but this okay. is a recurring theme with me of not knowing people. I just found out that Scott Weiland was dead, like within the last year and a half to two years. And apparently he's been dead for like, I don't know, 12 years, 14 years. Stone Temple Pilots. Yeah. Yeah. I wondered how they were doing and what they were up to and, you know, what his life was about. So I Googled him at work one day and I'm like, oh, my God, he's dead. So I couldn't tell you who the new not even new anymore, this lead singer for Stone Temple Pilots. Sorry, this is going to be a little bit of a diversion. But uh, my wife and I went uh, to the Northeast. This was probably four years ago, maybe five. And we went to a concert that was Stone Temple Pilots, Bush, and the Cult. And it was phenomenal. It was at Foxwoods Casino. And Stone Temple Pilots, they came out and they they, they rotated who the opener was, you know, Mm -hmm. with... Well, Stone Temple Pilots went first, and the guy that was the lead singer was, he was like Freddie Mercury. He was wearing tight leather, and he totally leaned into it. If you could find videos, of course, most of the Stone Temple Pilots accolades came from live performances, mm-hmm. and, the, and they put on a phenomenal show. But this guy stood up there like he was God's gift to the world. I mean, just had it oozing off of him, and it was it was so good. It was just so cool that he was just totally bought into this persona and he pulled it off so i love it i love that plush is a top five song ever in my rotation constantly chester bennington there we go ah no um Um, oh jeff gut after chester after chester bennington sorry if you read the show yeah i'll go look i read the i read the internet wrong (laughs) i'm often (laughs) fooled by the internet so there you go Good. Hopefully uh, y'all have noticed my uh, garb tonight. Another thing that's great for a audio uh, uh, product, uh, wearing my Yeti Blanc shirt that I just got in the mail today. So happy I to support member of the Lamely and a Repping nice it. dude that's uh, gotten up some pretty good run on both the Greg Cody podcast and also mm-hmm. on uh, on Dan's on Levitard show this past week. So that was nice. His laugh yesterday on the Greg Cody show podcast, which would have been... August or no, I guess it came out today, August 8th, that when Yeti loses it and like genuinely has a belly laugh, I, it was so joyful this morning. It just made my whole day. That's my, it's by seven fifteen. it's on the Apple product and it's what I'm listening to and I'm getting ready every Monday. Oh, so are good. Becoming, are they low key becoming the big three? Like, cause they're fun. I mean, it's. Oh yeah. They're super fun. Mm. Top five laughs. Top five. Ooh, top five laughs. Man. Uh, In our universe, Mm. Barrett. Barrett's. Barrett has an amazing laugh when he lets loose. Um, (laughs) Your your giggle, Capo. I was gonna say my nine laughs should be (laughs) my nine laughs. My fake laugh does not make the list. Very Greg Cody like. Put yourself on the top five list. I enjoy my laugh the best. Mine has to be Oli. There's too many of them to for to actually make the top five. Stupox laugh. Stupox definitely. Stupox laugh is great. If you can make fun laugh, it doesn't have money. 
<laughs> yeah, he has a great laugh. Mm. Huh. Hmm. I think aunt, I think ants has a ant has a very good laugh. Ant does have a good laugh. But it's it's genuine. Yes, Jeanette's is the same way. Yes, well, Jeanette's Jeanette, laugh think, is amazing. I would say Jeanette is uh, more appreciated for making other people laugh than even her laugh because she's 100%. she's off the charts, crazy, funny, creative, oh. and quick. Like yes. I'm. I'm still thinking of what I could have said in the last conversation, and she's already gotten 10 other jokes off. She's amazing. I just can't. I'll, she'll be in the middle of one of her anecdotes, and it's like before she's even at the punchline, I'm already laughing, and I'm just <laughs> can't control myself. It's like she does uh, come up with some uh, very funny things. I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, I don't know. I, I got caught up in the air there. <laughs> that was a great Chris Cody impression. <laughs> Push through it. Push through it. I, I, I come here, man. <laughs> oh, I, I was gonna say pal, just to just just to piss Flem off. You know, <laughs> all laughs from California are the best. There, they're all just laughing in all the sunshine, laughing at all of us. Yeah, that might be a little bit. Um, Herb modified, I would guess, would be the, <laughs> the way to put that. Not Jeff. Surely not. No, I'm sure Jeff has a ball out there. <laughs> Just one, though. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know. I'm just, just rolling with it. Just spitballing. Okay. Lopics? <laughs> What have we got? Mm. Well, you know, one thing that you guys, one thing that you guys just touched on again, you went top five. And I know that one of the things that the was up for consideration is the many different formats, you know, even both on the Greg Cody show. Uh, there's been some talk about removing the Mount Rushmore term because of course, Jalen Rose um, in between DUIs decided that, you know, Mount Rushmore shouldn't be called Mount Rushmore anymore. Um but, you know, the, the, the show's got top fives and then you've got the metal stand. And I think there's a discussion to be had uh, amongst us about which one of those is your personal favorite or what, what I guess we'll rank the top three of those three. So I, I guess leg up to the metal stand if there's only going to be three of these. Yeah, the, um, I was thinking, uh, is there there is no other possible way that we have to rank things like this, right? I, I'm with Witty. The the goat is com completely blown out of proportion. Every single uh, thread you get in, there's nine different goats, and I'm just like, this is this is enough goats. We, you know, we don't need all these goats. Let's 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 bring it back in. We got to have levels to these goats if we're doing it anyway. Um, I'm all for it being Mount Gregmore. Um, I will die on that hill. Uh, I will canvas door-to-door -door with a torn ACL to get signatures for Mount Gregmore. If that's what I got to do to get it named to Mount Gregmore, that's what I got to do. I'm inherently lazy, so I go metal stand because then I only have to come up with three. So, plus I'm indecisive, and if I try to list five things, then I list, then I want to name eight things. So, but, but to me, that's the beauty of the top five. If you're indecisive, I mean, you get a cornucopia of things. If you've got 
if you got five to pick from, I mean, if you've only got three to pick from now, you've really got to narrow it down because then you get, of course, what's become just an equally accepted list or part of the top five list is the OLI. So you can Fair. have, you can have your five, you could have, you could have eight, you could have, you could have an unlimited number of OLIs before you get to your top five. And then again, if anybody's criticizing you, the easy answer is, well, it's my top five. Come up with your own. That's a good point. I I think we should, we should all just resort back to everything being Roy's top 10. And if you have a problem with it, you can just say your mama and you know, that just fixes it all. But how, how did Roy's top 10 get, uh, get, you know, omitted from the conversation? Oh, that's a good question. I think you just introduced it. Yeah, it's in. Now it's in play. I'm talking about the shows. The show didn't even be like, oh, yeah, we should do a voice top 10. Like, that's better than Mount Mount Rushmore. Not Mount Gregmore. Oh, man, that was blasphemy. I mean, don't you think that at some point Roy just said, I'm not doing this anymore? Yeah. He could have gone full, you know, back in my day and said, no, this isn't happening. Yeah, I'm retiring my bit. Mm. Or I'm not going to do it weekly. I'm not going to. I'm not going to make me a bicycle clown. I'm gonna. I'm going to do a top ten when I want to do a top ten, and it might come two weeks in a row. Or you know what? It might have one every two years. Mm. Fair. I like it. Makes it more we, special when you actually get one. So I guess so. we've settled on the. Uh, if we're going to do the. If we're going to do the top five of. Top fives. If we're going to go backwards, I guess number five would have to be Christmas. Uh, yeah. Number number four would need to be uh, the uh, the metal stand. Uh, yep. Num- number three would have to be Mount Gregmore. Two would be top five because you got the OLIs on top of that. Number one is going to be Roy's top ten. Yep, I agree. I'm with it. I think we've made the world a better place. I feel good about our work here. And are we, do you guys agree with me? The boat and goat, we should not use boat instead of goat, right? Like, cause boats just as, as annoying. Best. Um, I don't, yeah, but I don't really, I don't know. Cause I get caught in that goat thing too. Every, I say everything's a goat. (laughs) Sheets is the goat of gas stations. This is the goat of the, like, but, but I might have four goat gas stations. But you have you have a lot of young influence around you, so where that's how they're talking, right? Yeah, that's true. Mm. That's very and, true. So you're, you're mine, mine likes to say mid. Mine likes to call everything mid. We don't have goats. We have every, everything's just mid. Everything's around mid. Yeah, yeah. I've got zero of that influence anymore. So <laughs> yeah. empty nester, 25 year old, just doesn't, I mean, not, not in part of any of that stuff. So the, the goat stuff, I don't, I don't really use that. Um, and the, the people I work with don't really use it either. I work with some younger folks, um, which sounded very old. I, I've got some younger <laughs> folks that work with me. Uh, They're only get, in their fifties. And every once in a while we get on the internets and uh, <laughs> go down to the Walmarts, but you know, I'm I'm not I've never been a fan of the goat thing because of course growing up, the goat meant something entirely different. It was you were the you know if you were the one that dropped the pop fly, yeah, uh, you were the you were the you were the goat. So the fact it's almost like bad used to mean bad and now bad means good, or at least it did at some point in the late '80s, early '90s. 
but I don't feel that the goat converse, I've never really bought into all that. And again, one man's goat is another, there's so many different categories of what is, and of course we live in an era where everything right now has got to be the greatest of all time. Nothing from a few years ago could nearly be as, mm-hmm. as good, you know, goat. The thing that ESPN pushed years ago, I don't know if you remember this, but was this person's next. Oh yeah. You know, there were terms that were used to try to set aside who was the next biggest and greatest or the next, you know, it just so happens that now is goat. And again, I'm trying to think of some others, but next is the only one that's kind of coming to my brain. I wonder what would be great if we could create the next term that would come up. We could, we could steal from Meredith who told me today, um, everything is slay. If it's good, it's slay. If it's not, it's nay. So that was her, that, that was her questioning of, Mm how she was going to decide to buy something. Is it slay or is it nay? Cause wow. if it's slay, I'm getting it. If it's nay, nobody wants it. I'm, I'm That's sensing a rapid fire question section, slay or nay. Slay or That's nay. Commodity style. I like it. Do got now, slay is S L A Y or S L E I G H S L A Y. He needs to get Darius slay on the show. <laughs> Capo. We could also get uh, Nota Begay, professional golfer. Mm. Say nay to that. Nay. Tyler Naquin, isn't he a professional a major leaguer? I think so. It's okay. a familiar sounding name. I was just trying to get, I was trying to like words, their names that have A in them. But, but we can move on from that. All Star is another one that they you know try to push your way. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Stud. stud was one of my favorites. I love when, Oh yeah. We got a stud over here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you really think about that, that's really uh, inappropriate when you think about what the definition of a stud is. Yeah. Like, that's this guy's a gross. stud. It's Ooh. like really in, in 2022, I don't know that. Ooh. Is Musgrove a horse? Isn't a stud a horse? Yes. A horse is typically yeah. put out to stud and his only purpose is to eat hay and propagate. Hey. Big baby horses. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's good work if you can get it. I just don't know that we want to start defining young athletes as that's what they are. I mean, Antonio Cromartie, you can say he's a stud. (laughs) Philip Rivers. (laughs) Philip Rivers is a good one, too. Tristan Thompson. All right, we need a top 10 list for next week. Top 10 studs. <laughs> top 10 studs. And we got canceled. But aside from that, what else we got? Hmm. I was thinking, like, you know, like the stardom hierarchy, like we're, what we were just going through. Where would Jeremy Lynn, his one week, where would that rate on there? Is it the greatest of all weeks? He had the best week of all time. He had the boat week. He, I would say, I would put him on the rising star only because he was a rising star. And, you know, if you listen to Cinema, another part of the Lauer After Hours family of podcasts, when we did Any Given Sunday, this topic came up because the story of Willie Beeman, who had the meteoric rise, it really only happened over about a four or five week period. He was a starter. He he'd only started one game and all of a sudden he's got his rap song with my name is Willie Beeman. And then he was doing commercials and all the, and he's on the side of buses. And I, 
I said the only other professional athlete that I ever remember having a meteoric rise like that was actually Jeremy Lin, who went from nothing to all of a sudden. And of course, he was in New York. So he was the savior of the world and the greatest, you know, basketball player that's ever lived. Uh, and then until he wasn't, which was about three or four weeks later. Is that the greatest cup of coffee of all time? That absolutely. Yeah, sounds like it. Amazing. So I did have, I know I'm just visiting tonight. I don't want to dominate the conversation, but I did have a few things from the Monday show that I wanted to, to bounce off you, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, the This whole Tua situation with his marriage. <laughs> uh, if you, you know, they played parts of the, the interview and Tua's upset about the news of his being married that it got out to the media. And I understand the need or the desire to have privacy. And I'm not saying I wanted to get into anybody's personal business. But if you're his newly, if you're if you're his wife, and he's angry about the fact that people that knows he's married, doesn't that kind of piss you off a little bit? It's like, are you ashamed of your wife that you don't even want people to know that you've fallen in love with somebody and, and gotten married to them? I, I, I think I feel like he uh especially with his answer about um, what he's learned or his new, uh, what was it? Uh, in, you know, outlook or whatever, however they phrased it. Um, it seems like he didn't want the single women or married women or any women that would want to have a relationship with him. He didn't want them to know that he was married. Right. That's like, the way it felt kind of like, it, it, <laughs> Because he was like, girls. Yeah. Like, what? what like, how is that all your automatic go-to? That His response to there almost hit me like Pete Rose's cockeye fastball response. I was like, what? It, yeah. Like, let me go back that? and listen. Did I just hear that? There's yeah, no way I, was, I heard that. I was baffled. I was like, he, and then, um, you know, like the, the whole, them, uh, I don't want to say trolling, but I guess mocking, uh, Oh yeah, his name. If you see his name at a, you know, a, you know, the courthouse, yeah, the entire courthouse is going to be talking about it now, right? Right. Like, oh, Did you, you think that would there? stay a secret? One, well, and it wasn't like there were helicopters flying over the courthouse when he got married. It's just that somebody found out that he got married. They had well, their ceremony, but again, why would I? I don't understand as a thirty-year veteran of marriage why why are you ashamed of the fact that you're married? And again, if you're the person that got married to him, why why would you feel good about the fact that he doesn't want people to know that you're his spouse? I would be highly annoyed by that. Like, why wouldn't you want? I, I'm highly unsuccessful at marriage, but when I have <laughs> been found, when I have found myself married, I was never ashamed to say, "Oh, I'm you know, I'm married, or I'm getting married." Or, yeah. I don't know. It it yeah. didn't sit right. It felt weird. Maybe we maybe we're you know reading it wrong. Maybe his uh, wife and him both had the same thought. Like she wasn't telling anybody. He wasn't telling anybody. And it's like, oh, everybody found out how that happened all of a sudden. Yeah. So maybe well, that's it. But and relative know. relative to the cockeye fastball, um, I can't speak for Pete Rose, but I would have to take that because it'd be below my knees. <laughs> <laughs> We need the good music. <laughs> <laughs>
Did you uh, actually aunt sent me something earlier today? I don't know if you saw there's true story, an Italian decathlete who was um, having trouble with his manhood falling out of his shorts throughout the competition. So he was constantly having to put the horse back in the barn while he was by, while he was running. I just caught hour two when they were talking about that right before we recorded. Yeah. Oh my gosh. How embarrassing. Embarrassing. Yeah. That was mentioned in the funniest thing from the sports weekend. But oh. he knew what he was doing, right? Uh, like as a kid, <laughs> my era, they were known as nut huggers. Right. Yes. I, in all fairness. Sure. I, that I cannot confirm. Okay. So <laughs> tight anything. They would just be like, hey, you got the nut huggers on. Maybe that's Baltimore lingo. I don't know. No, but, th- that's universal. Yeah. <laughs> Compression shorts. Um, so like, what, what are you doing? Like, you know there's going to be movement. You're running up and down well, the hill. No, th- these were the flimsy running shorts that you'd see in the mid-80s. You know, these guys wear, again, it's very little. I it's always kind of puzzling to me, but I guess they've got their reasons for aerodynamics and staying cool and all that. But it seems like you should be able to, you know, have something that's going to hold everything where it's supposed to be. At least have an inner lining. And again, I know you don't want to chafe too much, but come on, you got to got to be able to keep the hog in a pen. Hang tough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, to hear a government official say hog in the pen. <laughs> I'm a public servant. (laughs) Is that part of your like campaign platform? I promise to keep the hog in the pen. That's, I mean, that should really go without saying that that's going to (laughs) happen. Wearing a blue, wearing a blue shirt tonight and working blue. I apologize. A vote for me is a vote for keeping the hog in the pen. There you go. So the a couple of other things that I'll kind of work through here and hopefully get myself out of home out of problem a little bit. They talked about Josh Reynolds, the uh, wide receiver who Man Campbell referred to as a praying mantis, a killer spider, and a freaking serpent. And the first thing that came to my mind was none of these animals have good hands. <laughs> so I mean, a snake. He's a serpent out there. It's like, how is he going to catch the ball? He doesn't have any arms or anything praying mantis he's got i mean you gotta i mean i guess it'd be good for returning punts if it just kind of like came right down in that little section where they're standing your, there's gotta yeah, get down in the pocket right there uh, the, the spider uh, again that's not going to be of much use to anybody but i don't know there's more that needs to be said about that they also talked about working from home and i don't know if y'all worked from home or if you've ever had this situation do it it is not something that i would be able to do at all i would spend my entire day i i'm fortunate i only work about half a mile from my office so i got a very short commute but to say that i was going to work remotely and and be productive as i would be in the office uh no chance of it just not wired that way and i wonder if you guys are um i actually have been very lucky in that since COVID started, um, we have had the option of doing a flex schedule. So I work at home on Mondays and Fridays and I physically go to the office Tuesday through Thursday. I will say I'm built much the same way as you. 
I get so much done Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Monday and Friday at home is so hard for me. I am so easily distracted. I, you know, I'm just going to go put a quick load of laundry in and all of a sudden it's been 40 minutes and I'm rearranging stuff in the garage. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So um, I really... I enjoy being able to work from home Mondays and Fridays. I hope that it continues, but um, I certainly can't do it five days a week because I would not be able to get anything done. Yeah, I um, I want to try to work from home. Um, being in the predicament that I'm in, it's easier just to you know try to work from home. So I want to see how productive I can be. But, you know, like, I don't know, I've always done good working in my own environment. So and a lot you know, a lot of times when I'm on the road, I'm by myself. And if I need quiet time at the house, like I can probably focus on, you know, what I'm doing. Um, so I'd, I'd have to say that, it, you know, I probably just would still be the same if I can finally get there. But, I'm just I'm a very collaborative kind of guy. And I, I like the interpersonal relationship side of things. And I, I would just, it would be really tough for me to sit at home. Well, it's not tough for me to sit at home all day. It'd be hard for me to sit at home all day and be productive. Yeah. yeah. I miss those iterative conversations you get into in the hallway where you learn something or you figure out a better way to do things just by talking to your colleague and finding out that, oh, they they can do that same thing in an hour. Well, let me learn how they're doing it. So. Yeah, it's good for me to go to work. So the other thing that I had was that I got a couple of other things here that Pete Rose, again, was on <laughs> the Phillies broadcast and was some people called it a train wreck. And yes, because it was on broadcast television. But let me ask you this. If they were to take Pete Rose. I mean, I haven't watched a second of the. K Rod stuff that they've been doing with Michael K and Alex Rodriguez. Cause I don't, I mean, I like Michael K. I'm not a fan of Alex Rodriguez and I've got zero interest of watching that. But if you were to tell me again, two guys that they brought up on the pod today, if you told me that Pete Rose and Lenny Dykstra, were going to be sitting there watching a, a baseball game. And it could be a Phillies game. Didn't uh, Dykstra spend some time with the Phillies after the Mets, mm-hmm. um, you know, put those two guys on Apple TV or, or Amazon or whoever that, you know, they want to do it, a streaming service where anything is, is going. Are they going to have bring in Kurt Schilling as a guest? Uh, maybe bring in Trevor, maybe bring in Trevor Bauer. Um, oh my gosh. Wait a second. We're getting close to a Roy's top 10 of, of baseball <laughs> of- players who would be train wrecks on a broadcast. Oh, him but- and Daryl Strawberry. Oh, Daryl oh, Strawberry would be so fun though. <laughs> A disaster. Like how quickly, uh, well, I guess it's, uh, this is throwing back to my age, but like when it goes to like blue screen and then like the rainbow technicolor comes up and it's just like technical difficulties scrolling across the bottom of the screen. But again, if it's on a streaming platform, it doesn't matter what is said. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you would watch it because it would be an absolute disaster would would be great <laughs> drunk harry carry with pete rose it would be it, <laughs> that's a great shout so it, pete tell me about this next pitch 
you wouldn't even know it would be like five batters would go by and they would still be talking about one thing and they're not given any updates on any of the, the teenage and, girl you know dated. What? Yeah. And you know what? You wouldn't complain a bit because it was so freaking entertaining. Speaking yeah. of working blue, like that would be a whole blue. It could be called like baseball in blue or something like that. Well, you, you know, this is a side note to this, but I did see uh, that Days of Our Lives, I think it was, it's been a, you know, it's been on television for 50 plus years on NBC. They've decided that they're moving that to to Peacock, which is obviously the subscriber service. So it won't be on broadcast television anymore. And, you know, for 50 years, soap operas have you know they've been racy and scandalous under the SC, under the FCC rules, and so I'm thinking, hey, wait a second, how would a soap opera like that go if they mixed in a little boom chicka wow wow? You know, Jeez. gave the audience a little bit. You'd have husbands watching that soap operas with their the soap operas with their wives. Yeah, it'd be great. Population boom, like. Yeah, I mean, we know what they're doing. Let's 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 get a little play by play going here. Let's get a little gratuitous, gratuitousness going. We're going to uh, end up with Medi. <laughs> All right. Who's going to utter that? Because it's not going to be me. Read it, Capo. <laughs> Hold on. I was trying to give a Smeddy point. We're all going to end up like Smeddy and, uh, you know, trying to teach the older people, um, you know, how to run Peacock. And, uh, yeah, they, they pretty much would be um, putting the cock in Peacock. Would be utterly delightful. <laughs> Baby. All right. Last thing for me. Um, they talked about the remaking of Roadhouse. I was surprised that Mike defended this move. Now, Roadhouse uh, scored, I can't think of it's a little bit too good or too bad to be part of Cinema. But when it comes to just crazy, brainless, movies that exist just to entertain the male mind. Um, Roadhouse is about as good as it gets. It just, it hits all of the flavor notes. And again, I'm not a fan of Conor McGregor. I just don't care. I don't care that they're going to change, I guess, a bunch of the storyline and make some of the premise different. So it's just going to have hints of Roadhouse. The fact that you're calling it Roadhouse is blasphemous. And I, I, Again, I'm surprised that Mike Ryan would be even the slightest bit uh, acceptable to the accepting to the idea. I agree. Given what fan, what a fan of Swayze he has always professed to be, um, yeah, I'm very surprised. And it is blasphemous to remake it um, in a way that really is not Roadhouse at all. Yeah, 66% audience on Rotten Tomatoes, 6.6 on IMDb. We need to get that rating up so we can get it to 6.9. We're getting very close. Maybe yes. we can get a, we we get a, it give too. it a bump here tonight. We get some people to go out yep. and just give it the 100 so we can get it up to cinema uh, territory. It's a great movie. I mean, for just like you said, like nonsense, cheese factor, It's it's great. I mean, somebody getting a throat ripped out. I mean, that just that just doesn't happen. Have you seen that in any other movie? Is that like an '80s or '90s movie thing? Because I was, I haven't seen Roadhouse. Uh, put it on the list of, of the incredible you're movies. Get, you're getting I to it. 
Yeah, I'm getting I'm to it. I'm getting Eight, to it. 89, but I was watching Three Ninjas last night, and the guy, the the bad guy on Three Ninjas kept saying, I will rip your liver out. Like, what? Do people can just rip people's body parts out? Is like that a road roadhouse? You know, like, is that an 80s, 90s thing? You know, I don't think I hear that. Well, I don't Indiana Jones, he would, he like reached in and pulled his heart out and showed it to him before he died. Yeah, I think that predates all of those. That movies. was Temple of Doom, right? Yeah, I think the, so. The second one, yeah. Wow. So I guess that is an old movie thing. Mm-hmm. But Removing I, 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 other people's body parts with your bare hands. I do know of Roadhouse from Family Guy. How close um, the Family Guy depictions to actual Roadhouse uh, would you say? How like how similar are they? If you if you have if you haven't seen it, we can move on. Or you can keep talking. <laughs> well, you know, we kind of stumbled on something now, and that is movies that have the removal of body parts. Uh, Kill Bill, there was a an eyeball plucked out of that. There's mm-hmm. also, of course, the famous five-finger exploding heart technique. What I have to believe, the, the rock band Five Finger Death Punch has kind of named them after. I'm, you know, I'm, just kind, of, I'm kind of thinking that has to be the inspiration for it. They want to yeah. stay away from. But, yeah, I would think Five Finger Death Punch would be a takeoff of the five finger exploding heart technique. Um, you know, obviously there's many, many that are decapitations that, uh, that happen in movies. Those aren't that exciting. The one that I'll point you to is actually an entire movie. This is going to be scary. Uh, do a little search on the movie teeth. <laughs> you ever heard of this movie? No, but I'm already scared. I know that somebody in here has because of the way they reacted to it. Uh, This is a movie that uh, featured a woman who had a certain part of um, her anatomy that uh, had teeth. And so her whole mantra would to be attract male suitors. And then those teeth would... Yeah. So, but it's a, it's a whole movie based around that. And that's, that's mm. the removal of a body part that. Um, yeah. Dangerous you know. game. I may miss that I one. Would say the most dangerous game. I yeah. think if you do a YouTube search, you can, I wouldn't do that at work, but perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Do, um, oh, Lifetime did that movie about John and Lorena Bobbitt. Speaking of removing body parts. And that's like a true story removal of a body part. I remember when that happened. Mm-hmm. Not too far, like right between me and Capo, where we are now, not too far, maybe 30 miles north of me, 40 miles north of me. Wow, that was close. Yeah. I had no, I had no uh, idea. Uh, Woodbridge, <laughs> Manassas. Oh, wow. Okay. Where did, uh, let me see. Yeah, that's not too far. That, mm-hmm. um, that traumatized me as a kid. I was like, they can uh, do that? But you know what? If you really stop and think about it, John Wayne Bobbitt kind of had the uh, the Chris Cody uh, horseshoe going. You know, Chris oh, Cody yeah. gets fired, gets something bad happened to him, and then becomes part of a fifty million dollar enterprise. Uh, John Wayne Bobbitt, um, for a short period of time, was half the man he used to be, and then <laughs> Stone Temple Pilots throwback gets, gets gets things. Thank you very much for that. Gets uh, thrown out. You know, gets everything reattached, and perhaps enhanced and uh beca- and enters the adult uh, film uh industry as kind of a a sideshow so uh-huh. he never would have gotten that job had 
job's a bad word to use in this in any vernacular, but he would never would have had that opportunity had he not uh, had that trauma happen to him. So in a way, his wife who was trying to do him harm actually made his life. My God. There you go. Um, they lived in the Bobbitts lived in the Maplewood Park apartments off Route 28 in Manassas, Virginia. So right about 40 miles north of me, Capo, on like if I were coming to see you, I could stop there on the way. I have a um I have a decent segue to get us away from that. Manassas, <laughs> that was um I think that was where uh you know, like when they had the uh the Beltway or was it Capital? The sniper, DC sniper. Yeah. Like my my parents went down there to a uh, my mother and grandmother went down there to a uh, church convention in the time, which is just crazy. Being or you know in the situation, they weren't down there clearly when nothing happened like that. But the segue into a, a something I wanted to ask you guys about because one of our friends in the chat, I won't say his name, had a scary experience with, um, you know the. A, a, an armed uh you know person running from the law and he had a gun and the the cop had a gun running through you know a school area or like after school program which is terrifying to be right in front of um have you guys ever been in like a situation that was like like very chaotic like like that with a you know police or a standoff or some kind of crazy situation that you didn't exactly uh intend to get into but you just happened to pond <laughs> Um, and to give you a second to think, um, I'll do one of my, you know, famous stories. Um, so like the, literally the first like week and a half that I moved from Baltimore to Hagerstown to try to get away from everything in the city, just go live and think I'm moving to somewhere peaceful. Uh, we were right next to, you know, one of the schools and it just so happened that, um, some kids, crashed a stolen car running from the police and ran through the schoolyard ran to our through our alley and then we we were one of the only houses on the street that had you know like a a, a pathway on both sides so they decided to try to when they were running from the cops they ran through our yard and when they ran through it they happened to throw their gun and drugs and whatever they had on our roof and my son was actually outside playing in the alley when they ran through the alley. So like the cops are swarming our, you know, our building, our apartment building and, uh, you know, trying to figure out what's going on. They knock on the door, ask if we've seen anything. And I'm like, look, does something get thrown on my roof? Should I be looking out for something? And they wouldn't give me any information. I, I definitely was on that roof and outside looking for like weeks afterwards, like, if they threw something good out here, that's valuable. I'm going to find it. <laughs> but the cops were there, you know, for, for hours outside looking um, for, you know, stuff. And it was just crazy that we, you know, the kids were right there in front of everything. And it just, you know, we're just in the house and, you know, random crazy stuff just happens as we're there. Have you guys ever been in like a situation maybe more so than that or less than that or anywhere comparative? Um, I, yes, but to be like in all transparency, I was a 911 dispatcher for six years. So yes, <laughs> but I, I got Jennifer paid, Love Hewitt, right? <laughs> I got paid to, um, to listen to that stuff. So 
<laughs> okay, so let's just let's say you weren't. <laughs> Go with the story. Let's see. Um, now, what's, what's I guess what I can do a Dan and go. All right, so Pam, what was the most traumatic experience <laughs> you've ever had with a nine one one? Did you ever listen to somebody die on the other? And I'm sorry, sorry, taking, oh, yeah, taking but... it to the I know, taking it to the extreme. But I guess my question it wouldn't be so much as what you experienced. Is how tough was it for you to leave it at work, or were you able to leave it at work when you came home? I think that'd be darn near impossible. Um. Yeah. So you just have to become a compartmentalizer and leave it at work because you got to because it'll eat you alive if you don't. So well, tell, tell us something that you just navigated and you were the behind the scenes hero for. Say, oh, let's see a good one. Um, I yeah. delivered a baby over the phone to um, a police officer was the only one we could get there. There were no ambulances out. Are, you know, none available. They were all out on calls. We were trying to get mutual aid, which is when you borrow an ambulance from another jurisdiction. So we're waiting for another county to come in. Um, and I got one young, new town police officer is the only one I've got on scene. And he had to deliver the baby. And when I was walking him through how to use a piece of twine or shoelace or something to cut the umbilical cord. He said, you want me to do what? And I said, you've got to, <laughs> like, you've got I, the ambulance, the closest ambulance is 30 minutes away. You have to do this. And he was like, Oh, he did it. I mean, so really <laughs> the, he and the mom did all the work. I just got to like basically give instructions and listen to it. So that was a good one. That was a good outcome. Did you ever ever help rescue any cats out trees or anything like that? No, but that does remind me. I did give a a young two young kids like high school age at the time. Um, they wanted CPR instructions for their cat, and I mm. could not. They got off the bus. They went in the house. The cat was dead. It was mom's cat. She was at work. They wanted to save it, and I'm like, let's try. Let's see. It didn't work but I did mm -hmm. give them CPR instructions for like 10 solid minutes on this cat. So. Let's be honest. They were more concerned about the fact that this cat's dead and mom is definitely going to blame us for it, even though we oh, were yeah. <laughs> he just got off. Of us. <laughs> yeah. So um, my um, other people have more exciting stories than me, uh, obviously being in elected office and having access to police and fire stuff. Um, and also working for a radio station that does news. I mean, I've been to standoffs, train wrecks, fatalities, um, finding of dead bodies. Um, never seen a dead body, but I've smelled one. That's not pleasant. Um, I would also tell you that, uh, well, and then working tornadoes or, or sitting in a studio where there's a tornado that's tracking immediately for your where you're broadcasting from. Uh, that was an interesting day. It was it was a lot of chaos, but uh, unfortunately, it it diverted and dissipated. I would say there's two stories that are from other people that are better, but that I'll share. My brother uh, was actually in uh, Centennial Olympic Park when when the bomb went off during the '96 Olympics. Uh, he was he was fine, but I mean he was he was there, 
my wife, um, shortly after I stopped working for the uh, the family printing business, we had an employee that I worked with very closely, and he had worked with us for, gosh, at least a couple of years. And one day, I got to keep this kind of general. One day, he got a she got a phone call from authorities wanting to know if this particular person was in the building, and they said they were coming to get him, and if he wasn't there when she got went, if, if he wasn't there when they got there, meaning that if she had tipped him off, that he would um, that that she'd be going with them. And so these were these were federales, and when they got there. Um, they got him and there was a pretty big scuffle. He was going after police officer's gun. And you know, we were like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this to him? And then later on found out why they were coming to get him. And we were all still kind of live in shock over what he, he did. So yeah, he's out now. I'd have no idea where he is. He may, Hey, if you're listening, you know who you are. It's me. Remember <laughs> Don't me? come back to Cartersville. <laughs> You you had mentioned something that uh thank you for uh naming your town after you know the Carter one and two. Um I thought that was great of you. Um I really appreciate that. Um, you know, good shout uh to little Wayne. But uh you, you skipped over something when you were explaining everything. Um and the audience needs to know where where is the most insane place that um that they found a dead body? Hmm. If you can, the most insane place. Well, I'll tell you the, the one it was, (laughs) I'll never forget my first, the, uh, was actually driving up, uh, you know, had news that they had found a body that had been gone for a while. And so I was driving up, uh, it's going to sound like an Almond Brothers song. I was heading down highway 41 and they, uh, you know, the, there was, there were the police officers and I knew who, they were the guy was, there was a guy that was a GBI agent and I'd gotten out of the car and I was like, what is that smell? And he goes, "Uh uh-huh. He goes that, he goes, that's, he goes, once you learn that smell, you'll always know that smell. And he goes, it'll, he goes, it'll take it three days to get out of my mustache and it's going to get it, you know, be in your clothes and all this. And, uh, it's true. I, you know, your olfactory memory is a pretty amazing thing. And, uh, there's nothing quite like that smell and hope I don't have to smell that again but that was just on the side of a highway buried in some kudzu. Wow. As far as crazy places where you find bodies, I, I don't know. We're, we're not none that kind a, of a, none in a tree up like a cat. <laughs> uh, no, uh, I was just sitting in this tree. I, know of. I, I was just trying to book in that or wrap that part up. Since I threw you no, dead I, I will tell you quite honestly, we had a, a pit bull in my neighborhood. This was a few years back, and I'm I'm a dog lover. I'm not a fan of that particular breed. And when I opened up my garage and I had one uh walk right into it and had me kind of cornered in my house, you just don't know how friendly or not friendly that thing's gonna be. It did chase my cat up a tree. It's the old stereotypical. So <laughs> I did. Uh, I did call my police chief or my fire chief and said, "You know, this is going to sound kind of funny, <laughs> but do you guys really do that? Do you like go and get cats out of trees?" And he just kind of chuckled. He goes, "No, we really don't." He goes, "Here's the thing." He goes, "I know that cat's." I said, "Well, he's just way, she's just way up in that tree and she's older. I just wonder if she's going to get down." He goes, "Well, let me let me ask you something." He goes, "Have you ever seen? Have you ever seen a cat skeleton hanging in a tree?" 
And I said, no. He said, they, they always find their way down. He goes, now, if you want us to, we'll come over and get it. But I was like, no, I, I think we're good here. So no dead bodies in the trees and no dead cats in the trees. I wonder where that old, uh, you know, I guess the, the dogs chasing the cats up the tree, but people actually used to call the fire department to come get their cat out of tree. That's insane. That's, that's a little fairy tale. Like, and if you go back to the seventies TV show called emergency, they remade a movie for it. That was rather under par. I think that's too bad to be included in cinema too, but uh, they would occasionally go out and, you know, kid would be crying cat up in a tree and they just get out and be the heroes and pull the cat out of the tree. You know, what typically would happen in real life is that cat would scratch the hell out of you and, fight you and probably jump out of your arms and fall 40 feet down to the ground and then just run off and be totally fine. Uh, simpler times, simpler times. Indeed. <laughs> Maybe bad times, but they were simpler at least. Well, I'll tell you what, it's about my bedtime. I appreciate you guys letting me sit in with you. Uh, I don't know if we're going to, one thing I feel fairly confident about is you're probably not going to invite me back after all of the off color stuff that, uh, <laughs> You wore a you wore a Yeti shirt to the show. You can you're welcome anytime. That's I right. If, I don't know if I'm if I've made the uh, the top five list of guests to PPG, or top, if I'll even or, yeah. or if I'll even make Roy's you know Roy's top ten metal stand of guest hosts on PPG. I, I would settle, I would I would settle for the boat or the goat. It it doesn't matter. I'll let y'all choose. About we have a bunch goats. of goats. We have a bunch of goats. That's why we have goats. Thanks for listening to this episode of Lauer After Hours. You can always reach us on Twitter at Lauer After Hours or Instagram at Lauer After Hours. We're available wherever you get podcasts, so don't forget to download, subscribe, review, and rate five stars.